0: Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net Praise the Lord. All right, Can we stand up and pray? And uh, if you're at home, why don't you stand up as well for a moment and take a a moment to pray with us because we love to pray for our community and pray for God's will and especially coming up to Christmas. Come on, we want people to understand and appreciate what it's all about. We want people to come to Christ. Yes, let's pray for that. Come on, spend a moment praying and lifting up by faith. People that you know who need the Lord in their heart, to be giving their lives to Christ, to come to that point of repentance and salvation in Jesus' name. We pray for that, Lord God. We pray that, God, you would continue to move in the hearts of every believer in our church and all the churches around on the coast and, in fact, all around our nation and all around the world. that that revival would begin in our hearts, that we would live not just for ourselves, but for the purpose to which you call us, to live for you, to shine the light, to tell the world that Jesus is Lord, that it doesn't matter about COVID or whatever else is going on. What really matters is where are they before God and that we would rise up with a passionate witness, Lord God, that we would live with you, uh, your heartbeat in our heart, Lord God, that uh, and then when people hear us, share and talk to with us, with us. We, their hearts would be touched we pray the people that we know right now come on lift them up before God pray for them, pray that God would touch their heart, pray that the, the, the Lord would send whatever is necessary a Gideon's Bible into their hands an angel or a, an encounter with a Christian or a, a heartfelt moment staring at a sunset or whatever to consider, what am I here for what's life all about and then they discovered Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and lay their life down before Him to discover the life that He's got. We pray for that in our community, in our family and our friends and especially around Christmas time that they would come to the carols or come on Christmas morning or or take a moment to think what it's all about. Hallelujah. Jesus, we want to see You exalted. We want to see Your will done and we know a large part of that is to see people coming to Christ, coming to be born again, coming into the family of God. We believe for that. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap. Thank Him for answered prayer. Come on, give Him the Lord a hand of praise. We love You, Lord. We praise You. We thank You, hearing and answering our prayers. And we pray around the Word of God this morning that You would speak to us. Help us to attend to what You have to say through preaching of the Word and help us to apply it to our lives for Your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise Him. All right, have a seat. Thank you, Musos. Yes, the all-boys band this morning. Uh, well, and Leah is fr- fronting it, you know, But the band. Uh, and cra- in fact, Leah had no backup singers, but you didn't need it. Come on, launching and leading us into God's presence, fantastic. Um, I want to read a passage of Scripture, and I think it'll come up on the screen from uh, the beginning of Luke's Gospel. So if you've got a Bible there, go to Luke 1 and... Um, And your Bible might actually have a heading here that says something like um, the birth of John the Baptist foretold. A lot of Bibles have that for this passage because that's exactly what happens. Uh, And it says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. And as you may know, Aaron was the first of the Levites who was the, the priestly Um, division of the the Jewish people, one of the the, the tribe of the 12 that was dedicated to being priests. Uh, Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, And he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot. So here he is in the local synagogue, the the church of the day. And according to the custom of the priesthood, he had to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And uh, when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembly worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. To, and watch this, listen. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Notice that last phrase. John was to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the Jewish people, God's chosen people, had spent hundreds of years looking for the Messiah, preparing, or at least they needed to be prepared for the coming Messiah. And we'll have a think about who was really prepared and who wasn't. But they'd certainly been looking forward to this. Was This was promised in the Old Testament. Hundreds of, or should I say at least dozens, uh, you can count them all up, but there's several dozens of different prophecies about the Messiah coming. And um, uh, I, I think it adds up to over a hundred, That's, but maybe not a plural of hundreds, of hundreds. Uh, and of course, they had also the Roman oppression at this time, really causing them to cry out to God for freedom and for deliverance. And so this was a real building up of anticipation. They had this real sense of, for centuries now, oh God, when's this Messiah, your promised one going to come and set us free? Well, I just want you to think with me this morning, have you ever really looked forward to something, you know, something that you've really anticipated and it it's, it's feels like it's never going to happen because time is just not moving fast enough for you. Maybe you were engaged or you are engaged, you know, and you're waiting ah, to be married finally to the love of your life and it seems like forever and it, probably was only a few months but it's just you know taking too long or maybe there's this holiday destination that you've longed to go to and you save and work hard to get and then finally you get to go there and hopefully it's all that you dreamed of or of course having children like you know Zechariah and Elizabeth especially for them in their old age being promised this miracle baby wow imagine that um A big example of this waiting that we experienced, some of you may know a little bit of this story, but um, 20 or so years ago, we had a house, only a stone's throw from here in Narara, our first house on the Central Coast, Uh, and it was fine, but it was rather small. It was just a little three-bedroom house. We had four kids, and uh, the house, in fact, I remember saying to one of the kids, we've got to get a bigger house, and uh, I think it was Eleanor. It was Eleanor. She was trying to figure it out in her brain when I said, she said, why? Why do we need a big house? I said, oh, this house is getting too small. And she looked at the walls. And she went, what do you mean? How's it going? Oh, no, no, it's a figure of speech, right? she just thought, is something happening? It was like you know the batman shows when the walls were closing in to kill them or something anyway the the kids were growing bigger the house wasn't going growing with us and um, and we we started dreaming about a bigger house and a better house and a newer house and a, and then we'd think oh the numbers don't add up in modest circumstances we don't really have the the funding and so then we'd think I oh, just it's fine just think of Russia because we'd lived you know in a, even more modest circumstances in Russia and we was we just said yeah and then we'd go Yeah, but we're kind of not in Russia, really, are we? You know, we're in Australia. So can we? Anyway, long story. We saved and begged with the bank, and you know, we got we got a block of land, and then we got a builder, and it started, and it was exciting. The dream home that would have a bedroom for every child and a study for me, and two living areas, so you could send kids there with adults over here, and you know, because four kids, so that's what five bedrooms and a study. And we had the house plans that we had poured over, and determined which builder to do it. It was all very exciting. The kids visited on site. The brickwork was going up. We got to, you know, put their names in the concrete and all this. And then one day I got a phone call from the brickies actually saying the scaffolding's gone overnight and this is just before the roof was supposed to go on. All the framework was up. All the timber work was there. They were going to put the roof on and the brickies said the scaffolding's gone and we're hearing rumours the builder's gone bust. And the rumours were proven true. The builder did a runner. No one could find him. He left the Central Coast and left our project and about five others just abandoned. And, uh, and so uh, it all began, the negotiations with the insurance company. And um, theoretically, they're meant to be able to step in and, and pay for the property to get finished. But in reality, they just pushed back because they really wanted us to. They even said, oh, you can finish it yourself. Well, we didn't really have the money to finish it ourselves. We needed to make a claim, and the building insurance company uh, just dragged their feet uh, to the point that they didn't even send someone out to throw a tarp over the timberwork. And so weeks became months, and over time the timber started getting darker and darker and uh, degrading in the weather, so that it was um, unsuitable. That we were told, well if you ever get this project finished they're going to have to somehow brace the brickwork which's there rip all the timber down and redo all the timbers because they're all shot and all the you know yellow tongue stuff was all fallen apart and so what was our dream home was looking like a nightmare in fact, it really looked like the ghost house of Lizaro. It, it was. I, I used to have to drive past it to, to take the kids because you'd already enrolled the kids in the Lizaro Primary School. To drive past every morning from Terrigal and go over the hill at Fagan's Road and go, oh, and there it is. You know, and just like there you were know, bats flying around the place and witches flying overhead, and uh, it was just like a haunted house. And um, and so, like I said, the building, the insurance company dragged their feet. They just kept pushing back. Oh, yeah, well, that department and we need to send out an assessor. We'll do so because it's been months and they hadn't. Anyway, one day, randomly, on a Sunday morning, an old friend walked into church and he had ridden up on his motorbike from Sydney. He hadn't seen him for 10 years or so and we'd worked together in financial planning and I'd heard that he'd gone on, he's a very clever guy, he'd gone on very successfully into management consultancy. So he's, you know, advising companies at the top level, how to improve their business. And we sat down afterwards and um, I said, oh, you know, what are you up to? Da-da-da, I'm doing management consultancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who are you consulting with at the moment? Ah, it's the insurance company that is causing his headache. And I said, have you got a moment? Let's have another coffee. And so I told him our story. He said, well, I'm meeting with the CEO tomorrow. That week I got a phone call. Oh, Mr. Brown, we'd love to help you, da, 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 da. It was amazing. And they couldn't do it. So the CEO had got the story from this bloke. He's said, how can we run our business better? And he's like, well, here's an example. Look at your idiot people doing here, you know. And so they're like, oh, quick. So it's just the classic Romans 8.28 scenario. You know, the Bible says, God works all things together for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose you may have experienced that. We're at, the mo- at the time, it's like terrible, but when you look back, you realise God worked that for good because we had to rent somewhere. Our friends and mentors, John and Joan Pennycook, had this wonderful property at Terrigal on acreage with a swimming pool, and they had moved out to move into their new house at Charmhaven where they were planting their church, which is now Hope You See. They were paying their building fund to pay for the church up there so they said, come and rent our place at Terrigal. The insurance company paid our rent, which basically went to their building fund. So the insurance company ended up paying the building fund of another church. Our kids got 18 months of the acreage experience with the pool you know, right near the beach at Terrigal. The builder that got appointed by the insurance company had more fat in their quote to just say, oh, do you want heated towel rails or a hole here or a door there and all these extras that we would have, had to pay for we didn't pay for so in the end we got a better house with the experience on the acreage you know so it was a wonderful God story but terrible at the time to go through but the night we moved in uh, I was up late which was unusual because I'm normally early to bed and Ruth goes to bed later but everyone was asleep I remember praying around the house and just being quite emotional and overwhelmed with gratitude to God for his hand to work it all out and that sense of gratitude was heightened by the wait, by the time, by the anticipation, and the preparation. And so sometimes, God will really allow us to wait for something because it builds in our heart a, a work that He wants to do. It allows Him to do something in our heart. You can guarantee this couple, John, uh, the, the, the parents of John, you know Elizabeth and Zechariah. They would have been so overwhelmed rather than just a young couple being able to have kids just like that. These guys just just would have been overwhelmed. And, of course, the amazing calling that he was involved in. But God does this and lets us have a moment or some time of preparation sometimes uh, and, as I said, does it work in us. Well, December, you know, is known as the month of Advent, and we don't use that term a lot, uh, you know, uh, some more traditional denominations uh, and churches might be more familiar with, with that expression. Advent is the season preparing for Christmas. It comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which means uh, arrival. And so we're preparing for the arrival of Christmas Day, just as the people in this time were preparing for the arrival of the Messiah and the first Christmas Day. And people like Zechariah and Elizabeth. And um, and so we're looking forward to the arrival of Christmas Day. And they, as I said, the first Christmas Day was what they were anticipating. Notice what the angel said, um, that he would grow up uh, and that he would, he would have this work of preparation. And I just want you to think with me this morning of what that means for us to be prepared for Christmas and how we prepare. Because, you know... John appeared 30-something years later on the scene. This little baby that was born to them was, of course, John the Baptist, the wild, locust-eating, camel-shirt-wearing wild man who uh, you know, came along. And, and how did he prepare people? Well, he preached a very strong message, didn't he? He preached a message of repentance. He preached for people to consider the condition of their heart. So the preparation that God really wanted to to do for people to have in their lives was something very much in here, in their heart, not externally, not so much physically, not outward signs. But of course, John led people to baptism, which was an outward sign of an inner repentance, an inner change of heart before God. And he called out people like the Pharisees and the religious people who had all the outward appearances of the right thing, of sort of like a walk before God, a righteous sort of lifestyle. But he called them a brood of snakes because they were poisoning people as leaders with the wrong kind of stuff They were, they were, they were just, uh, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs they were, all, they were all dead on the inside even though they looked nice on the outside So they had all the appearances, all the liturgy and the, the rituals of, of religion But they had lost the heart of the issue A heart connection, a devotion towards God A worship of God in their hearts And of course that's the essence of our faith, isn't it? A relationship with God, not a set of rules and, you know, churches like ours, we've maybe prided ourselves that, oh, we're not religious, you know. Oh, we, oh, you go to that church, it's all modern, it's not religious. But any church can start getting a religion, can, can start getting, you know, tight religious. It's, it's like, what if we came in one day and we didn't have a drummer? Oh, all oh, the music was hopeless today, didn't have a drummer. Well, well, well okay, well, maybe, you know, we've had times where we lost power and we just had to go unplugged, you know, with an acoustic guitar. We well, can still worship, well, what about if you have to wear a mask? What if we're not allowed to sing? I mean, you're supposed to be able to sing now, aren't you? But be- behind your mask, <laughs> it's not quite the same. And a couple more weeks, you can rip them off. We'll have a little ceremony, a little burning the mask ceremony or something, you know. But, you know, but hey, with the church has survived COVID, you know, it doesn't matter what form we've gone, zo- who would have thought, zooming, worship by Zoom, you know. it's... We've still been able to meet, connect, worship, regardless of what style or setup, or and so we've got to be always flexible and open and not get set in our ways about oh well, gee they did four songs instead of three or how come this, you know, so we're all susceptible. Um, we've got to be careful. We don't want to be hypocritical, you know, um, and that's exactly what these religious leaders were at the time. So as we approach Christmas. Really, um, in the next few weeks, the question is, well, how are you preparing? What are you doing in preparation for Christmas? Because, look, we all know preparation pays off. Um, For example, international travel. Do you remember that? The good old days? Remember, Remember before COVID when people could actually go overseas? And it'll happen again, um, although you'd be keen to go right now because there's a lot of, you know, regulations, even if they say you can go. But, you know, the idea of just following your heart and, and flying off, you know, to some remote destination that sounds intriguing and exotic and flying by the seat of your pants and just winging it and seeing what happens at the other end, you know, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> but I can tell you it's not that great. Because you can rock up in some scary, dusty, dirty, dark airport in a foreign country without a visa and you're thinking, oh, and all these people are heading off to their holiday and you're stuck there trying to explain why you didn't get organised properly. And then when you finally get out of the airport, there's a friendly, random guy who speaks English and you hop in his car and you didn't do your research to find out that that's the last thing you should do because people have been mugged and taken off to whoop whoop, you know, and and then the next day you meet another friendly person who gets, says, get in my taxi and I'll take you, see the sights of the city, only to take you to these weird random jewellery and suit stores that he's getting a kickback from and you get forced to buy a suit that he says he'll deliver to Australia for you and then you never see it again. You know, this this happens, you know, in fact, in fact I've recommended to people, I know of one person very well <laughs> who I recommended, don't. Do this when you go to Bangkok, and uh, and and they did, and they um, you know, and they went to the weird jade factory, and they're like, I don't want to be here. Where are we? It's like, well, the taxi driver knows where you are, and he's the only one who knows how to get out of here, you know. And so, you know, you've maybe got your own versions of those stories. So it, it's you know, so much better to prepare. That's just so, you know, that, this that just comes to mind, you know, when we think about pre- preparing. So, um. The the fact is, you know, holidays are better when you're prepared, and so is Christmas. And so we set up the tree, and you pack, you get out the decorations, and if you're Chris Debenham, you you just I don't know what take a month off and don't sleep, uh, and and set up the, the whole his house and neighbourhood and church, you know, with pyrotechnic light display, you know, and all this stuff, and. Um, and, and he, the time that he's probably not setting up, he's scheming and writing a new computer program to figure out how to, you know. And so we do this kind of preparation. You know, you order the, the ham and the, the prawns and you wrap the presents rather than run around on Christmas Eve. And you make all these preparations. And that, that's great because celebration is wonderful and there's nothing wrong with buying presents and, you know, spending the money to bless people. And I think that's fantastic. But we've just got to make sure that we're not running around and doing only preparation in the physical, natural realm and not doing any preparation in the spiritual, supernatural realm that is in our heart. And so the most important preparation you can make for Christmas is not with your hands, but in your heart. And uh, when you read the Gospels, you can see how some people prepare differently for the very first Christmas. Like, again, this couple sought God. They were open. They were seeking God's will. They had a heart towards God. And as a result, they had an amazing role to play. Kind of wonderful and tragic as well, because although their son came miraculously into the world, he left in a very dramatic, martyred way. But uh, it was still a wonderful event for them because they became part of... History-making incidents, um, and uh, and then you meet others. You know, like the disciples. They were hungry for the ways of God, so they had this preparation in their heart, um, and they could see beyond the circumstances of the, the the birth and the lifestyle of Jesus to realize, no, he's the chosen one. And and the people on that uh, the, in the nativity scene, you know, you got the wise men. Now, were wise enough to see through the 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 mess and the the animals and the humble birth of a little kid born to a tradey and his wife and no ah but it's the Messiah and not everyone got it right I mean the classic dull kind of person in this whole story I always find is the innkeeper just aren't you so glad you're not the innkeeper you know uh, um, because he missed out. Seriously, missed out, didn't he? Like, um, you know, we saw, we say, like, make room for the Lord in your heart, you know. And he didn't make room for the Lord because he said, "Well, we're, we're booked up," and he turned Mary and Joseph away, you know. And then, of course, Jesus had to get born in the in the stable. And what a what a TripAdvisor review that he missed out on you know, that would have just sent his business right up. He could have had neon signs out afterwards, you know, stay where Jesus was born, you know, or just kind of like um, the hotel of choice of your Messiah. You know, this is, this is, he just, a marketing opportunity that he just regretted for the rest of his days when he realised, oh no, that was the night that, but of course those who appreciated what was going on uh, had to look through beyond the external appearances and uh, like the Magi and the shepherds and, and those, you know, that gathered around the baby and know, oh, this is in our heart what we know is of God. And so the challenge is to do the same, isn't it? To prepare for Christmas in our hearts. And how should we do that? You know, how should our, our hearts be full of, of of wonder and appreciation rather than just our... Fridge is full of food and the houses, you know, and the diary full of appointments madly running around. Well, just a few things. I think we need a repentant heart. Uh, so we need to repent. We, we, we should meditate on the, on the fact that we need a saviour. Like Jesus didn't come for fun you know. he was on a mission. There's a reason he came. And, uh, and of course, this summer, and we will have a summer, <laughs> We're believing for that, you know. There'll be sunny days, and on the coast, of course. Here, we'll have plenty of people that get rescued from drowning because the Pacific Ocean's got waves and rips and currents. And some people forget that, and so they are either tourists or locals who are a bit silly or don't get don't realize, and they can get caught out in a in a rip unless you're Caleb, who deliberately went out in a rip swimming, not even with a board. And he just said, "Yo, yeah, well, I wanted to go out the back and he can just swim, catch a few waves, come back in again. I'm like, okay, he's halfway to New Zealand, but he's completely in control. So, you know, but if you're not a super strong swimmer like that, then you stay between the flags, you know. And, um, and so people can get out of their depth and then they need outside help. You can't rescue yourself if you're really going under and the rip's got you and you're not a strong swimmer. And so praise God for our lifeguards. They rescue people and those people who are rescued appreciate it because they realised I was drowning. Well, of course, we are drowning in our sin. We cannot save ourselves. And John Piper says this, Christmas is an indictment before it becomes a delight. If you don't need a saviour, you don't need Christmas. Christmas will not have its intended effect until we feel desperately the need for a saviour. And so it's actually good for us to be, and not just at Christmas, let's face it, repentance is always the answer. That's what our friend Craig Stevens has got on his T-shirt. You remember he preached here, Salvation Army God? I love that, repentance, because he's trying to help people to realise repentance isn't some weird old-fashioned word where someone's making you know, out that God's angry with you all the time. No, no, it's just a positive thing. It means that we are humble, honest with ourselves and honest before God. So let's have a repentant heart as we prepare for Christmas. Secondly, let's have a grateful heart and appreciate that what we really needed was provided by God. The one thing that we really need has already been given to us and we should be grateful for it. All you need is Jesus. And that's not just a cute cliche, it's literally true. And you know, if you like me have followed the Lord for a number of years, you can go without and, and you can miss out on that and, and that didn't work out and this was painful and that's a problem and that person did you wrong and all that. And it doesn't matter as long as you're holding on to the Lord and He loves you and holds on to you and cares for you. And, and that's why Paul says, it doesn't matter. Paul says, I've, I've learned the secret of being content in any situation. I can have plenty, I can have nothing, I, I'm content. And he calls it a secret because not many people have discovered it, even though it's totally available. you know. And so we, we should be very grateful for the fact that ah, the Saviour that we needed was sent and Jesus came. In fact, the name Jesus, you probably know, means to save or to rescue. That's in his name, the Greek version of the name Joshua, which was Hebrew. And so uh, we should be constantly overwhelmed with gratitude at what the Lord's done in in doing Christmas, in what Christmas represents, you know, and uh, and so because of Jesus, we're forgiven, we're welcomed into God's family, flip, we're given eternal life, you know, as you get older, I think you appreciate that more and more, you, uh, you're you a little more aware of your mortality, you know, you, you think, oh, okay, so I've probably lived more at that end of my life than what I've got coming up, and so, you know, that's all right, it's going to keep on going for eternity, it's incredible. Um, And, of course, we should have an anticipating heart. We should have a heart like these people, the right ones, the ones with their heart in the right place for God, were anticipating the Messiah, anticipating that first Christmas, the arrival of the Chosen One and that season that would change everything, that possibility for them to be liberated from from sin and to discover freedom spiritually. And, uh, of course anticipating Christmas, you don't need to tell kids, hey, get excited about Christmas. They know, they're anticipating, there's no problems there. And it's like, ah. But if you're not careful, that anticipation revolves around them just writing a list, you know. Here, I don't care if Santa's true or not, just give it to whoever counts, you know. it's like, yeah, if if it's Santa, send it to the North Pole. If you don't believe it, Mum, I don't care. Dad, if you don't believe in Santa, just make it happen. There's the list, you know, and... And, um, and of course, we want to bless our kids with gifts and all that. But, but we really, parents, you want to make sure your kids are anticipating Christmas again for the right reason, that it's not just about the prezzies. And I'm all into presents and celebrating, but I love the bigger the celebration, the more question as to why are we doing this? you just got to ask the question. you just got to get kids to be thinking about the answer to that question. I'm not at all into saying no commercialism, Christmas, it's over the top doing it It's going to say one little prayer and everything else is the same alright there's a piece of Christmas cake that's it don't get excited you know that's ridiculous you know it's like spend the money there you go kids all the prawns go for your life and um, although they don't care they don't care about the prawns hopefully in fact don't get your kids to like prawns I like uh, Keelan you don't like prawns I keep reminding you you don't like prawns he's like yes I do I've grown up no more for me and crackling I've got a competitor on the crackling now fair income. Ruth makes crackling and oh, anyway, it's all at least good thing about COVID is there was only three of us to fight over it. Couldn't have Hudson over, whoo, that's great. You know, Ruth would make a lasagna, it'd actually be leftovers the next day. She makes a great big four square meter slab of lasagna. Hudson's there, zoom, it's gone. Next day, I'll have some lasagna. Where's all the, oh, that's right, Hudson came for dinner. Yeah, right. I mean, I've seen, he used to arrive, it was worse when he was in the army. He'd come home with a couple of mates. By the way, someone asked me one of your mates' names, and I don't know his first name. I don't know any of their first names. It was like, you know, they all know each other by random nicknames or surnames. Anyway, he'd come home with a couple of guys, and then Ruth would work hard. She'd make this great big meal. She'd serve it up, big servings. Give the guys plenty of food. Yeah, right, big servings. There you go. Oh, wow. And I'm like, stuffed, full, and oh, wow. You know, and then Hudson's like, anyone some more? Seconds? Yeah, right. They just do it again. It was as if they hadn't eaten a meal. It was just ridiculous. It was like... Are you clones of the people that just had a big meal? You've just, what's going on? And you serve the same man. It's like deja vu. Ten minutes later, I'm sitting there. Same men starting to eat a big meal. Anyway, I know. sorry, I'm going off here. It's all right, but I'm, 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 you owe me. I'm coming one day with my mates and just get a whole bunch of motorbike guys and say, I know we're going to get good food. Hudson's wife's a really good cook and he's not getting any leftovers. We're just rocking up. Hey, here we are. We're here for dinner. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Hang in there. Back to the Bible. God, Elizabeth, Zechariah. What are we saying? Anticipating Christmas. We're talking about teaching our kids ah, that Christmas is about the Lord Jesus. Yeah? And that we love presents, but uh, he's the greatest gift, as they say. And he for another cliche that is still quite meaningful, is the reason for the season. yeah. Uh, and of course, you don't have to wait till Christmas to unwrap that gift, to meet the Lord, to have that wonderful heart connection with the Lord that people like these, this couple had and others that you read about in the Christmas story, people whose heart was devoted to the Lord. And so, um, come on, let's pray and, uh, and pray along these lines of being prepared in our hearts ah, for Christmas. Thank you Lord uh, for your incredible gift, your great love for us that motivated Jesus for you to come, ah, to be born in such ridiculously humble circumstances to prove to us that pomp and ceremony and physical outward appearances don't matter at all. What you're interested in is the heart and so today we want to have hearts that are humble and repentant and hungry for You and prepared for Your coming, not just on Christmas Day, but for Your coming into our lives. And we pray that You would come into our hearts in a fresh new way. Oh God, that You'd come into the lives of people that we pray for, people that we know, people who need You. We pray that people would open their hearts to You, just like we open our homes up for people to come and celebrate and We want to open our hearts and we want to see other people open their hearts for Jesus to come in, to save them from sin. Jesus, our Saviour, King of the world, Lord of lords, thank You, Lord Jesus. Refresh our hearts. You know, if you're watching online or if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you don't have Him in your heart, living in your heart, and you want to pray a prayer of repentance. Repentance just means to turn around, change your direction. It's not a, It doesn't have to be an overloaded, heavy term. It just simply means to make a decision to let God be God, to let Jesus be Lord of your life. If you want to pray that prayer, see me after the service or pray a prayer of your own. If you're watching online and then connect with us, we'll send you a Bible. We'll talk to you about following the Lord and what it means to truly be a Christian following Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.